you snuck in late. My name's Chris. I'm one of the communicators here at Beyond. And um, a few uh, a few years ago, actually, on our on our very first wedding anniversary, my wife and I decided, you know, let, let's go on a cruise. Neither of us had ever been on a cruise before, so we were like, right, it's time to it's time to go. So we jumped on uh, a P and O cruise, did one of those cruises around uh, like the uh, the Pacific Islands, and uh, the first you know a couple of days at sea, and then we rocked up at one place uh, on one afternoon. It was we were kind of just there for a couple of hours. And then we rocked up at this little island called Lafu. We kind of cruised through the night after the first stop. Rocked up at this little island called Lafu. And uh, Lafu doesn't have a port at it. So what they have to do is they have to anchor the boat away from the island a little bit. And then they get these little ferries that ferry you to the island so you can kind of uh, meet the locals, do all the activities, all that kind of fun stuff. And, uh, and so we're getting ready to kind of get on one of these ferries. And, um, and my wife is uh, one of those people who is hyper aware of the sun. And so she's... She's like, um, since I've been married to her, I've learned all about, you know, you should put sunscreen on, you should wait all this time. And so now I'm more conscious about it. And we're in the rooms and we're getting sunscreened up and we're getting ready so that as soon as we get off the, uh, the little ferry boat that's about to take us on the other side, we, we, don't, uh, we can get amongst all the activities. And uh, I remember, very, this is exactly what happened. I'm putting all the sunscreen on. My wife turns to me. She goes, do you reckon you should leave your wedding room in the, ring, uh, in the, in the room? And I was like, why? She's like, well, you know, because when you put sunscreen on, sometimes the wedding ring slips. And this is no joke. This is exactly what I did. I looked at her and I went, my wedding ring never comes off. See, you got sunscreeny hands. It never, ever, ever comes off. Look, it's so solid. So some of you know where this is going. We got on the ferry, went across to the other side of the island. Because we had put our sunscreen on already on the boat, it had already sunk in. So we could just jump and, and start swimming. So we, start, uh, we jump in, we get one of those paddle boards and we paddle board around for a bit take that back and then we jump in and we start going for a swim and you're kind of doing the strokes that you do and then one next minute kind of do a stroke and I recognize oh, it's gone my this is not my first wedding ring I had to get on the, my on our first wedding anniversary I had to go and uh, get another wedding ring made out my original wedding ring is on the island uh, off LeFou so if you're ever on a cruise to LeFou and you find a wedding ring there um, bring it back because it might be mine um, and I promise that story of my stupidity. Some of you are just like, some of the wives in this room are just like, oh, I should have listened to your wife, obviously. Um, okay, it was my first year. I was still getting the hang of this whole marriage thing, right? Um, and so uh, if you're wondering, like, what does that story have to do with anything? I promise it'll make sense. But uh, if you're new with us this morning, I want to catch you up before we jump off. Uh, because we are actually in the, uh, in the part two of a four-part series that we've been doing here called Fresh Start. Uh, the way we do things here at Beyond is we'll uh, camp out on series or ideas and, and we'll, um, we'll pick them apart over a number of weeks. And uh, we launched this series with, uh, with the new year last, uh, last week. And the reason behind us uh, doing this series is pretty simple. We said that we want to help you make a fresh start that changes your life. Right? What we discovered was that 92% of New Year's resolutions fail, which means that for, uh, for the vast majority of people, when they want a fresh start, it actually doesn't end up changing their life. And uh, I, I don't have time to go over everything we spoke about last week, but you can listen to that on our, um, on our iTunes, um, on our podcast. But I left you with a question. And the question that we left, with, uh, left off last week with this, it, it was, what do you need to leave behind in order to embrace a fresh start? Right? Because so many of us want, want a fresh start but we want a fresh start by continuing to do the old things that we used to do. And the old things were the things that led to us needing a fresh start in the first place. And we're like, oh, no, it's okay. I'll have a fresh start, but I'll just keep doing what I've always done. And so we said, hey, think about what things or what relationships or what priorities do you need to leave behind in order to embrace the fresh start that you want for the year ahead. And today, 
Uh, today we're actually going to be talking about the one thing, the number one thing that will prevent you from experiencing a fresh start. Uh, if you want to call it a goal, if you want to call it a resolution, whatever it is, this thing that we're about to talk about today is the number one thing that will prevent you, whether you're a Christian or whether you're not, from experiencing a fresh start. But the problem is uh, you're not going to think you have it. You're not going to think that you have this thing. In fact, what I'm going to do in a minute is I'm going to put the number one killer of fresh starts up on the screen and then I'm going to spend the next couple of minutes showing you perhaps why maybe it's more applicable to you than you think, right? Because when you look at me and that interaction that I had with my wife, probably one word comes to mind, stupid, okay? Then after that word, there's another word that comes to mind and it's this word, pride. Pride. See what I mean? As soon as I put that up there, if I say, hey, this is the number one thing that prevents your fresh start, you straight away go, that's not me. That's, that, that's never stopped me from having a fresh start in my life. And some of you, some of you are even here thinking and you, you see this word, and you're like, oh, this is where he's going. Okay, well, you know who, would be, who I need to get this message to? I need to get it to my, to my, uh, my boss. I need to get it to my brother. I need to get it to my sister. I need to get it to that person that I bump into at the coffee shop all the time. They need this message on pride. Right? But we never, ever like to think that it's us. And the reason is pretty simple is because you can't see pride in the mirror. It's not like you can go and you're like, man, I'm having a bad hair day. Man, I wish someone would have told me I had that stuck in my, t uh, in my front teeth. Like pride is not like that because you cannot see it in the mirror. But you can hear a story like the one I just shared and you're like, man, why wouldn't he just like take the advice of his wife? You can see it so clearly in other people, but it's so, so difficult to see within ourselves. And if we're not careful, we'll set these fresh starts and we'll say things like, hey, you know what? This year, I want my marriage to be different. This year, I want my relationship with my kids to be different. This year... I, I want to work, uh, work on saving a little bit more. This year, you know, what, I want to grow my relationship with God. And if you're not careful, you won't achieve it. And then you'll wonder why. And it's because you're looking for something that you can't see in the mirror, but it's so easy to see in everyone else. So for the next couple of minutes, please just do me a favor. Just imagine that this message is for you. Okay, after you walk out of here, you can get the audio of this. You can send it to all, all the people that you know need to hear it. But just for the next couple of minutes, just imagine that this message is just for you. No one else. So, we need to talk about this whole pride thing, right? Because chances are you still probably don't think you have it. So, here are some of the things that pride prevents us from doing. And see, see if you've ever done any of these things. Pride prevents us from saying sorry. It's that thing that wells up inside of you when you're like, well, I was only 5% wrong, but they were 95% wrong, so they should apologize first. It's that part of you that says, you know, I want a fresh start in this relationship, but I'm not going to say sorry first. They have to say sorry first. They had the final word, so they should be the one to respond, you know. Pride prevents us from saying sorry. Pride prevents us from actually admitting weakness. Pride loves to do this thing and say, you know what, I'm strong enough to handle this on my own. I've got this problem that I, don't, I got myself into and I don't know how to get out of it, but I'll figure it out on my own. And then what happens, right? When you don't know how to, to get out of it on your own, then what do you do? You isolate yourself and you just go further and further and further away. And then what happens? You just exacerbated a problem that you didn't know how to solve in the first place and you didn't want to get anyone's help for because that would be a weakness. And now all of a sudden you're isolated with a bigger problem. Okay, pride is this, it's, it's this ugly thing. Pride prevents us from letting a grudge go. You ever had those, uh, a scenario where, you, where you've gone to somebody and say, you know, maybe someone's come to you 
Or maybe you've gone to somebody and say, hey, you know what, I've, I've harbored this grudge for so long, I just want to let you know I forgive you. And the person's kind of got this blank expression on their face, like, what? I don't even remember that. And a grudge is so often like that, we harbor onto it and we hold onto it and you're like, I'll show them. But the only person holding a grudge hurts is you and it. And the reason you hold it is because of pride. Pride prevents us from being honest with others. Let's see, this is my favorite one, is how's your day going? Oh, it's fantastic. And what really has happened that day is their bosses chewed them out, their kids have like vomited over them, they got a flat tire on the way to work. But on their Instagram story, it's about the coffee they're drinking and how awesome it is and how they're friends with everyone. Pride prevents us from being honest with people. We want to put this facade out there like, hey, you know what, I don't need your help because my life is fantastic, it's awesome. Then it goes on. Pride prevents you from learning new things because when you've got pride, what need do you have to learn anything new? Because you know everything. You know, what could your husband, what could your wife, what could, what could that person underneath you at work teach you possibly because you've got a fancy title now. So no one needs to teach you anything. You've been there, you've done it. Pride prevents you from telling the truth about your past. That thing where your friend or your husband or your wife goes, I never knew that about you. How come you never told me that? It's like, well, when we were dating, like I kind of made it up because I was embarrassed about it and I, I was afraid of what you'd think, so I kind of hid it. <laughs> Surprise! Here's some other things quickly it prevents. It prevents letting someone else, having the, fo- le- letting someone else have the final word. You've always got to jump in. Oh, let me just tell you what I think real quick. It prevents you from serving others. Pride is that thing that looks down its nose at other people and says, well, why would I do that for you? You should be the one doing it for me. It prevents you being content with what you have. Pride is, you're always looking over your shoulder with pride or over the neighbor's fence or on social media to see where your friends are going on holidays or what kind of car they just bought or where they're sending their kids to school and comparing. You know, what do they have? And here's the final thing. Pride prevents you from celebrating others. Pride is so, so focused on itself that it hates when other people succeed particularly if it's in a field or it's in a gift that you have. Because pride feels like it's losing control. Pride doesn't like to be diminished. And so as a result, pride hates celebrating other people. And what ends up happening, and this is why we kind of got the VIP area, I should, I should roll this back, is that ultimately when we, when we uh, let this happen, what pride puts you in a prison And you kind of think that you're doing really well because you've got a little bit of space to move around, right? You've got a little bit of space, but ultimately you're the one who's stuck because you're the one who can't get out to repair that relationship because you won't say sorry. You're the one who can't can't get uh, moved forward in your fresh start because you won't admit your weakness. You're the one. You're the one who's so isolated and you want connection, but you won't start by celebrating others. And so pride kind of puts us and holds us in this prison and if you're not careful and if i'm not careful we get stuck in this prison of pride and we cannot move past it to have a fresh start no matter how badly we want to and so the question that we're going to wrestle to the ground today is how do we escape the prison that pride creates how do we get what we really really want in the first place which is just finally to be able to kind of take the rope down and step out of that prison and leave pride behind. How do, we, how do we possibly do that? And the good news is that, that pride is not just a, a 21st century problem. It's not just an us problem. It's just not just a, a Christian problem. This is a people problem. And so people in the very first century had this problem as well. 
And there was a guy, his name was Peter, uh, and Peter wrote a letter to a group of Jesus followers. And in this letter that he wrote, he addressed this issue of pride. Now, in case um, you're new to church and you have no idea who Peter is, um, you might be thinking to yourself, okay, so we're just going to look at a random letter written by a random dude to a random bunch of people. Peter was actually a pretty big deal in the early Jesus movement. Okay, in fact, Peter was such a big deal that Jesus, once he had risen from the grave and right before he went back to heaven, he turned to Peter and he said, Peter, you are a, you are a rock and you're actually the rock. You're the person that I'm going to build this entire movement on. Peter, when I go, you're going to be the point man. You're going to set it all up. And we hear something like that, right? And, and we're like, oh, wow. Like Peter, Peter probably never had an issue with pride. Peter was probably just this incredible dude who always did what Jesus said and like always thought he was kind of like that kid in class that always got the gold star. But the reason, which is so fascinating, the reason why Jesus chose to build his movement on Peter is because he wasn't. He wasn't this person that always got the gold star. In fact, Peter was so prideful. He had this, like, Peter often got foot and mouth disease, which is so often the case with people who have pride. There was one time where Peter's on a boat and, uh, and he sees Jesus walking on water towards the boat, which doesn't happen a lot. And Peter thinks to himself, I want to do that. And so Peter jumps off the boat and within two steps, he's already sinking. Peter, right before Jesus is, uh, is crucified and is murdered on a cross, he proclaims to all of Jesus' boys, he goes, well, you guys, some of you fellas, I know you're going to get a little bit weak when, when, uh, when Jesus dies, but not me. I'm going to be strong. I'm going to hold it together. I'll never, ever turn my back on Jesus. And then a couple of hours later, a middle school girl comes to Peter and says, hey, aren't you one of the dudes that hangs out with Jesus? And he's like, oh, no, no, definitely not. In fact, three times, Peter is like, no, nah, I don't know the guy. I don't know the guy. And in this moment where Jesus had every right to kick Peter out of the Jesus movement, he doesn't. He says, actually, Peter, I want, I want you to be the dude that my movement, like that I want you to be the guy that headed up once I leave. And it wasn't because Peter ha- didn't have a pride problem. That wasn't it. It's that Peter found the antidote to his pride problem. Is that every single time Peter's pride overcame him, he went straight back and he addressed it at its source and so what better person to write a letter to people in the first century who were uh, dealing with pride than this guy who had such a pride issue and this is what peter writes about how to overcome your pride he says all of you now we need to be clear about who this you is because the you that peter's writing to is probably different to the you who's reading this and sitting in this room today because Peter was writing to first century Christians in this region called Asia Minor, which is modern day Turkey. Which means if you are not a Christian or you wouldn't consider yourself a Jesus follower or you're exploring it, what Peter is about to write is not written to you. Which means you don't have to apply it to your life if you don't want to. I think you'll discover that there's a good reason to apply it, but, but it doesn't apply to you. But if you're a Christian, Peter's writing this to you. He's saying, hey, this is non-negotiable. If you say you're a Jesus follower, this is, this is part of the package and this is part of what it looks like. And then he writes this. He says, all of you dress yourselves in. In other words, put on. In, in that culture, in that day and age, uh, you showed what household you're a part of by, the, by certain things that you would wear. Maybe it was a garment or maybe it was a seal or maybe it was a, a ring or something. But you uh, identified and people identified that you belong to a household based on the clothing that you wore. And so Peter's saying, hey, all of you Christians, you need to dress, not physically, uh, not literally, but metaphorically in a certain way. So that when people look at your life, not that they'll agree with you, but they will know that you're a Jesus follower. 
that, that, that through these actions and through this characteristic, they will know that you're a Jesus follower. And here's how he says to do it. Dress yourselves in humility as you relate to one another. He says, if you're a Jesus follower, the characteristic and the thing that will help you overcome pride is humility. And then he goes a step further and he says, but more than that, if you're a Jesus follower, you should be the most humble people in the world. People should look in on your marriage and on the way that you parent and on the interactions that you have with people in your workplace, your friends, and they should say, you know what? I don't understand why they believe that a dude rose from the dead, but man, they are some of the most humble people on the planet. They are always ready to say sorry. They are always ready to forgive. They are always willing to admit their weakness and invite others in to help them. They are just so humble. And in fact, some of you, the reason you push back against it is because you've had experiences where Christians weren't this. You're like, well, if that's what it means for me to sign up, I don't want that. And then Peter does this thing next where he kind of justifies and he rationalizes why we as followers of Jesus should do that. And he does this through use of one word, for. In other words, here's, here's what I want you to do, but here's the reason you should do it, because for. And I'll let you know, if you're not a Jesus follower, you probably won't find the reasoning Peter uses very convincing. But that's okay, because I still think you can apply it to your life. He says this, for. And when he says for, he then quotes, um, he doesn't quote the teachings of Jesus. He actually quotes this really, really wise guy called Solomon, who lived about a thousand years before he did, who through his wisdom and through his intellect built uh, a, a huge, huge personal wealth and also built a huge uh, a nation that ran like no other nation before. And Solomon writes this, and it was actually pride that led to Solomon's downfall. And so Solomon kind of writes this in a reflection. And so this is Peter quoting Solomon. For God opposes the proud, but gives grace to the humble. What are proud people like? Proud people always look down their noses at other people. It's interesting that God actually opposes people who look down their nose at other people. God opposes people who think that their morality, that their view of the world is superior to others and therefore that entitles them to act and treat other people a certain way. Which is bewildering, right? Because some of you, I guarantee it, have pushed back against Christianity because you thought that what God does is look down his nose at people. And the reason you thought that is because you saw his followers do that. But this is what Peter's saying, this is what Solomon's saying, that God actually opposes that. And more than that, Jesus is actually drawn to people who weren't like him. Because Peter is writing this of having interacted and having spoken with Jesus. Having witnessed his life and having seen him die on a cross, Peter knew that not only did Jesus not oppose people who were nothing like him, but Jesus was drawn to people who were nothing like him. Jesus gave his life for people who were nothing like him and he was God so he had every right to judge but he chose not to he chose to express humility why because God opposes the proud but he gives grace to the humble really what Peter's trying to drive home is this big idea that pride will prevent you from embracing a fresh start but humility will open the door it was the very act of Jesus' humility by going to a cross that opened a door for a fresh start for everyone. 
And so it's no different for us today if we want a fresh start. But the challenge comes, right? You know, because it's one thing to say like, oh, get rid of pride, replace it with humility. But, but what does humility look like? How do we get there? How do we do that? Because humility is a word that we don't use a lot, right? Just be humble. You think, okay, well, I'll stop thinking of myself less. Like, what, what, what does that mean? And so as we kind of wrap up today, I kind of want to give you some handles to help you begin to embrace humility this week so that you can begin to, to unfurl the grip that pride's hand might have on your heart. And so here's the first way. Um, we, we call our um, application points for Mondays here because uh, we believe there's no point hanging out with us unless this actually makes your life better and makes the lives of people around you better. And so the first, first one I want you to do is I want you to do this. I want you to seek direction from God and others. So this week, you know, whatever it is in your fresh start, I want you to find someone, and this is key, find someone who's had the fresh start that you want. It's no good asking someone who hasn't done what you want to do. You need to ask someone who's had the fresh start you, you want, whether that's relationally or in your marriage or in your parenting or in your job or whether it comes to managing your anger or managing your finances or, or, how, to have, or like how to have constructive conversations, whatever it is, find someone. And then I want you to sit down with them and ask them, you know, hey, when, when you started out for this fresh start, what were some unexpected things that happened? What were some things that, that you kind of thought, hey, this is what it's going to be like, and then tell me what it's actually like? Because I want this fresh start. I want to figure it out. I want to know what I should expect. Uh, you can ask them for some advice. Hey, when you face some of these challenges, how, what did you do to overcome them? How did you move around them? What did that, what did that look like for you? And then maybe, maybe it's that same person or maybe it's someone completely different, but I want you to ask another person, hey, what does God have to say on this? And if you've been a Christian for a long time, maybe this is easy for you because you can just kind of go, hey, you know what? I'm just going to, like, I've read a whole lot of, uh, this, of uh, the New Testament and the Hebrew Bible. I'm going to, uh, I know what God has to say about this. But maybe for some of you, you're new to the whole faith thing, and so you want to have a conversation with someone who would know or who maybe you think would know what Jesus or what God has to say. And here's, here's the thing, I would recommend that even if you're not a Christian. Even if you're not a Christian, I would recommend you seeing what Jesus has to say about the fresh start you're embarking on. Because the whole purpose of this is to seek direction. I'm not asking you to apply the direction. In fact, if you're not a Jesus follower and you don't agree with Jesus' teachings, then you don't have to apply them, right? But if Jesus has something to say that you're like, wow, I never knew that. What have you lost by seeing what Jesus has to say about it? the answer is nothing and here's here's the second part of the four monday right because so many people start off they they start this path and it's so great and they get all their dot points and they have their folder and they write it all down or they get it on their iphone and they uh, iphone and they write their plan you go hey i know the direction that god wants for me i know the directions others want for me and then they miss this one critical step they don't apply it they shut the binder they lock the notes on the ipad or the phone and then it stays but if you really want a fresh start, if you want to get rid of pride, you need to apply the direction given from God and others. Because so many of us, and this is where, this is where the rubber really hits the road, right? So many of us think, hey, you know what, I'm going to kick pride out. Uh, I'm going to embrace this humility. And then you sit down with somebody and say, hey, this is the fresh start that I want. This is the way I want to get there. And someone goes, no, well, it, won't work. it doesn't work that way. No, 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 you don't understand. And they say, no, 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 you don't understand because I've been there. I've done it. I've lived it. And it's so, off, uh, so easy for us that we, we push back against people who have been where we wa uh, want to go. and we, They've been where we're trying to get, and we say, yeah, but you don't understand, it won't work. And the person's looking at you like, yeah, you don't understand, I've been there. And so, 
application is the most important part of seeking direction from God and others. So many followers of Jesus can quote Bible passages to you, but they haven't applied it to their life. They can quote the teachings of Jesus to you, but they've never applied it to their life. And I don't want that to be the case for you. And I know it's awkward. And I know it can be difficult. And I know it cannot be like what you want it to be when you start to apply that to your life. But as we wrap up today, I want to leave you with one final question. And the question is this. Would you still want a fresh start if you got what you wanted, but not the way you wanted it? If you said, hey, you know, I want a fresh start, and you got it, but it wasn't the way you wanted it, would you still accept it? Because that's what humility might cost you. That's what humility says. Humility says, you know what, this is the fresh start I want, but I'm not locked in to getting it the way that I want. Pride says, this is the only way to get it. My way is the only way. Humility says, I just want this fresh start, and I will will embrace it any way possible. So try it this week, and then join us next week, because we are going to talk about how Jesus turns this idea of success and the idea of what we want and the way we get it on its head. But for this week, start to unfurl the grip that pride has on your life and replace it with humility. Let's pray really quickly. Jesus, it is um, so difficult sometimes to, uh, to take a fresh start because the truth is we want fresh starts the way that we want them. And when we start to, to say that we want it the way that we want it, then pride creeps in and we end up in a prison. But Jesus, this week I pray that the people in this room would be bold, that they'd take a first step, that they'd seek direction from others, they'd seek direction from you, and then that they would be really, really bold and that they would apply it to their life because it's only through the application of the direction that we actually get to crush pride and embrace humility and embrace the fresh start we're all looking for. And we pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen.